they know I don't have all the answers. And I think as adults, when we put that expectation on ourselves, not just as parents, but as leaders, right? When leaders put that expectation on ourselves of we must know all the answers, we must be the perfect model. That's an impossible thing. And plus it doesn't really make sense to me. You know, I, I, I parent also as I lead, which is I wanna nurture the leader in all the people on my team. Hello and welcome to Intrust. My name is Rick Kitagawa. And my name is Lisa Lambar. And thanks for joining us for our show about the key ingredient for thriving teams, trust. Today, we're excited to be joined by Crystal Wong Kruger, founder and CEO of Leohan, an edutainment tech startup that is seeking to create educational, interactive entertainment that can bring families together in a meaningful way. Passionate about interdisciplinary learning as well as clever portmanteaus like parentrepreneur, Crystal is taking a modern approach to helping families spend more time together. But before we jump in, a quick word from our sponsor. Work isn't transactional, it's relational. And all relationships are built on trust. When trust is strong, anything is possible but ignore building trust and it's hard to accomplish anything together. So don't ignore it and don't go it alone. We wrote a succinct and practical guide to help leaders like you succeed, especially in our uncertain times. Our Amazon bestseller, The Future is Trust, Embracing the Era of Trust-Centered Leadership is full of actionable and practical insights that will help you build the trust needed to help your organization thrive and build a resilient culture. So get your copy today at thefuturistrust.com or most online bookstores. Crystal, welcome to the show. Hey, Rick. Hey, Lisa. Thanks for having me. We're really looking forward to this conversation with you, Crystal. And for people who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Sure. Thanks so much. So I'm 43 years old, and it took me about 40 years to figure out what I really want to do with my life because I love everything. And so I'm the founder of Leo Han. We are an edutainment tech company. We're super early stage, so right now we're focusing on helping families bond over novel shared experiences. I have uh, three young kids myself, so that's really where I got the idea from is, you know, when I can spend quality one-on-one time with each of my children and I learn from them and I'm equally engaged as an adult, it's the most incredible experience. Amazing. And so the name of your company, I believe it's the acronym, Leohan, is all about Like you said, it's providing parents, it seems like a way to spend more quality time with their kids. And so I'd love to dive into it. And and you mentioned this, and it seems kind of obvious, but I'd love to hear why this was so important to you and why you decided to build a company around this. Let's see, about five years ago, my middle child at the time was four years old, and we had two kids at the time. We now have three. And I realized, whoa, what happened? All of a sudden, my kids are in some extracurricular activity every single day of the week. I'm like, I did not mean to overschedule my kids, but I just put them into things that I used to love doing too, and that I still do love doing. And the next thing you know, we're really, really busy. And I remember one day I was sitting behind a glass watching my daughter do gymnastics class thinking, man, I'd rather be there with her. And I looked around at the waiting room and there were lots of other parents there playing Candy Crush on the phone or looking really, really bored or trying to get some work done. But every few minutes, a toddler would come out saying, I need to go to the washroom. (laughs) And I thought there's got to be a better way to spend my time. And as a person who has been a lifelong 
lover of learning. Now I really wanted to make that time for myself as well. And it was really hard with the busy schedule. Uh, so that's when we realized, hey, why don't we take one day a week? I'll take one kid. My partner will take the other kid. We'll go out, spend some one-on-one time. And what amazed me was my four-year-old would suddenly change in front of me. She'd become a completely different person, exceptionally mature. We'd have these deep conversations. And I realized it was because she didn't have to compete for attention, not with her father, not with her sibling. Uh, And it was just really magical. So we were hooked. And just doing the activities that we might come up with, I did things that I liked. And I found out she was really interested too. I love that. And I just, I love the joy and your response around that. And I think what you're latching onto with this too, with these meaningful shared experiences together with your children is something I've heard from so many friends and colleagues who are parents is something that they've come to really value and really cherish, especially over the pandemic, which is kind of in some ways forced those opportunities more and more. And I love how you're creating pathways for that to be something on the regular, not something that we let go of as we get into a post COVID world. I'd love to push you a little bit. And I'm very curious to know what Leo Han means. And I'd also, I know you have a love of portmanteaus and I, I want you to unpack the one here of edutainment tech. And what does that mean? Yeah. So Leo Han is an acronym. Actually, we wanted to create a name for a company that wasn't a word that existed anywhere else. And I didn't really want to have to make up a new spelling for something, right? Just to own the .com. So I really thought of how, when you're present in the moment, You know, everything that happened before impacts the current moment and what you do in the present moment also impacts the future. So if you really think about here, you know, that's really all we have. Thinking about living, truly living in our here and now is really what Leo Han stands for. And I know it's a phrase living in the here and now, but our was very important to me because I think of how we are all connected on this planet you know, and, and soon to be beyond this planet too, right? We're all one massive community. And it was very important that we realize and recognize we all have different experiences. And uh, if we can only just learn to appreciate each other's perspectives and experiences, it would be really, really meaningful. So I go with Leo Han to create these novel experiences where people can get to know about things they didn't know before. So that's really where the education part of edutainment tech comes from. So we're going to unpack that, right? Edutainment tech. So education, I really found it kind of problematic in some ways, like STEM is a really big thing in education these days, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And sometimes they jam the A in there for arts, for STEAM. And I think, man, even when you just silo out those concepts, they seem to be still siloed. And there's just so much more to life to me than just being book smart. And there are all these soft skills that we want that we seem to be in least the current traditional education system, not really aware of. And as adults, there's so much knowledge out there in the world hidden in books. You know, one of my favorite quotes I'm going to paraphrase is if you want to keep a secret, publish it in a book. And I just say that because I know you have an awesome book out. It's one of those things. It's just very hard for us these days. There's so much knowledge, but it's not equally distributed. So I say, how can we make education or the amazing knowledge that we as a human species uncover every day? How can we make that more accessible, right? Even to adults. So that's the education part. I want it to be entertaining because to me, my first love was uh, I grew up in a restaurant. My first industry was actually music. So entertainment is very near and dear to me. And I always think, you know, if all of the world's problems were solved, what would be left? And I think it'd be art. 
I think it'd be, you know, finding awesome ways to spend time together. So I think entertainment for sure will always be here. And when we can make something entertaining, then it's again, more accessible and people are then welcoming it because they want it as opposed to seeing education as a chore and something we have to check off the technology piece. So thank you for bearing with me as I really <laughs> unpack this edutainment tech. Um, it's amazing to me, the technology that's available today that has been available that we have created as a species over millennia. Um, and, you know, think about our human physical senses, what we are aware of around the world, uh, you know, even just in our immediate environment. And technology can allow us to look even deeper, you know, um, with, for example, sight. Technology can allow us to see more than our naked eyes can allow us to. So I love to give people these really interesting experiences with reality that they didn't know were possible, sometimes leveraging technology. Uh, I'll give you an example of that. This is still um, something I haven't created yet, but I'd love to, and I know it's possible. Uh, have either of you ever seen like infrared or heat sensing or heat imaging technology? Yeah. It's pretty cool, right? You can see heat, very useful in the kitchen. I, I, I actually have a heat thermometer. I'm always using it in the kitchen. And so I imagine this world where I'm bonding with my kid and I can see their facial expression. I can hear what they say. I can see their body language and I can get a sense of how they feel. But imagine if as we're bonding, like even when I tell you this, like I can feel the tingle behind my ears and my neck. I can feel the flushing in my face as I'm connecting with you two right now. And I say, imagine if you could put on these goggles where you can see the heat flushing through your skin. It's a more immediate feedback, right? As to how the bonding moment is. Maybe something a bit more practical. Maybe you've heard of how bees and birds, <laughs> not the bees and birds you're thinking about. <laughs> flowers, right? Flowers. We see colors in flowers outside. And yet bees and birds and other creatures can see colors beyond our visible spectrum. And so I thought, how awesome would that be to be able to give people technology that can hold their hands and not just to watch a passive documentary to experience life in a more rich way, but to see it literally in the environment not just in front of their eyes, but they are touching and smelling, you know, all that stuff. So that's what we mean by edutainment tech. It's leveraging technology, sometimes to take you away from the distracting screen, sometimes to, to, uh, to help you dive deeper into the world and giving you a really easy, fun, entertaining way to learn, not just about the world, but about each other. First up, okay, super awesome. And I love the way that uh, Lisa and I both have science backgrounds, so we're both a little bit of science nerds. And so like the idea of blending technology and looking at it, I think a lot of times tech gets a bad rap because we're kind of so often thinking about like CRM software or like SaaS products and also just computers and screens and social media. But the fact that you're looking at all of these other technological innovations and figuring out how you can use those to bring the human component into it, I think is super fascinating and is, yeah, just really innovative. And I, I love it. It's how it's a complete reframe of, I think, the everyday conversation around what tech or technology is. And I want to kind of jump into more of that human connection. And in previous chats that you and I have had, you've mentioned about how important trust is to you. And so I'd love to maybe just kind of open the floor and ask you to dive in and elaborate a little bit more on why you find it so important to your life. This is a really, really, uh, like I said, important topic to me, though I've never 
really articulated these thoughts with anyone. So uh, this is unscripted and you're going to hear it probably straight from my heart, <laughs> which is really fun. With personal relationships especially, I find the more you can learn to trust someone, the more incredible that relationship becomes. And sometimes the journey to gain more trust can be painful. Uh, at least that was the case for me when I was younger. And I feel like I've gotten better with knowing that I should trust and that I can trust others. Uh, it still surprises me every once in a while when I catch myself, I say, oh, Crystal, you're still holding on to that fear, you know, that fear of not being loved or that fear of, of uh, being doubted or the fear of just not being good enough. So I think trust for me, uh, in the line of work that I do, not only am I trying to empower families to bond and connect with each other, I'm also building a company. And so the people with whom I work, it really matters that we can trust each other. Uh, and I do spend some time actually in a Montessori. I teach in a Montessori uh, school, a few subjects, music and technology, if anyone's <laughs> curious. Uh, that's a long story. But I, I get to see a lot of young children. And um, what I find time and time again is maybe a child will do something. And, and I use these analogies, or they're not even analogies. I think they are completely applicable to anyone of any age. But I think it's easier with a child from an adult's perspective because there's less, again, fear. You know, if the child does something, I'm not being personally attacked. I'm not as worried about it, right? And so when I see a child doing something that maybe I wasn't expecting, or I've seen other uh, adults in the room and they'll get annoyed with that kid. Why are, why are you doing that? And they get mad. I didn't ask you to do that. And then you realize the kid's like, oh, I was just trying to help. And then you feel like, oh, my goodness, right? The child was not behaving the way you expected, but the child came with good intent. And it's learning to take that pause. And I see that even with my spouse, right? Um, if he does something that I interpret in a way that I feel like he's attacking me, I have to stop and realize he loves me. I need to trust that first and foremost. So when my gut reaction is anger, I have to realize that anger comes from fear. And then that fear, it sounds like, I sound like Yoda, but you know, seriously, that fear is thinking that the guy doesn't, he doesn't trust me, he doesn't love me, but no, no, I got to trust that he does. So I think same thing with my team. I've learned that as well. When people don't behave the way you expect, I got to stop and be like, they, they're not trying to be a, a bad team member at all. You know, they're not trying to procrastinate. They're not trying to be lazy. I, I don't believe that at all, that people are lazy. You know, I, they must be stuck on something. Maybe they're afraid of speaking up. You know, how can I make this space more inclusive? How can I support them better? And so learning to come at situations where in the past I would have said, there's something wrong. Uh, you know, why are they being this way? And recognizing is said, no, 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 Crystal, trust that people are always, I really do believe this, people are always doing the best that they can in any given situation. And even if their behavior is um, negative, I suppose one might say, Understand that if you uncover the layers, they're probably acting out of fear of something, even if they don't realize it. That is so powerful what you just shared. And something I'm, I'm hearing with that too, is that that trust in those relationships helps you move from a place of, of judgment to a place of curiosity, which then opens the door to deepen that relationship even more. Cause I think a lot of times when, you know, someone does something, there's, you know, a bad impact with that. We jump on assumptions of their intent 
And when you, what I'm hearing, what you're saying too, is when that trust is there, it's not jumping on an assumption of their intent, but a curiosity behind that and giving us kind of even the toolkit to say like, Hey, here was the impact in that situation. Let's work backwards from there. And still acknowledging what that impact is, but having a way to move forward that's a lot more collaborative and I think a lot more constructive in those relationships too. So I think there's just, yeah, so much value in what you, you just shared there. And I want to just push you because you talked about, you know, the trust in building a startup, which is a really hard thing to do and is really a labor, a labor of love to come into and put in the effort in that. And I, I really appreciate where you're coming at doing this for, for such a purpose-driven goal as well around building these meaningful connections. And I'm really curious when it comes to your startup, when it comes to Leohan, how are you going about building trust with the people you seek to serve and the families you seek to serve? Thanks for the question. I think the only way that I know how to build trust is to live by that value that I do trust others. And by trusting others, it means that I can be my authentic self. I can share how I really feel with empathy and just my excitement and my passion, you know, for what I'm doing. And it's been humbling, exceptionally humbling, this, this whole journey. At the very early stages, I mean, it just blows me away, really, how people trust me so much. And I, I don't take it for granted at all. In fact, it even amazes me to be able to say that out loud, you know, that, wow, people really do trust me because I feel like, oh my goodness, I shouldn't even say that. This sounds so unhumble, but really people really do trust me. And uh, I take that. It's a massive responsibility. You know, when people trust you, you've got to, it's not about delivering. It's about, you've got to honor that trust, I think. So when we first came up with this concept of, um, you know, novel shared experiences where the adult is also engaged and they're learning with their children or their families and, you know, entertaining ways. Uh, we brought it up to the owners of my child's Montessori. And immediately, I think because our values were aligned, that really helped. I think sharing my values right away, then people can see how to connect with you. And Lisa, earlier you had mentioned curiosity. I'm so glad you said that because I've, I've had that feedback before from others. And as I said earlier, I'm a lifelong lover of learning. And uh, yeah, I believe it is curiosity because if someone thinks something that I wouldn't have thought of before, I'm genuinely curious. There is no judgment because I know I can learn something from them. Uh, so yeah, when it came to building the business just very early on, I think people just latched onto the value. Like you said, it's, it's kind of hard to be down on someone, I think, who wants to just make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. You know, like, we know we're in a very digitally distracted, overscheduled, busy world. Right? It's a problem that many people face. It's even if you don't have children yourself, even if you don't have young children yourself, you probably have parents or a family that you may wish to be better, more closely connected with. Right. So that's problem people can, can really latch on to. What really, really threw me was, um, again, just humbled me was how people trusted me at the beginning to, to just come and try these experiences. So the way we started first was with in-person live events. I curated it like a very interactive musical for lack of a better word, although I didn't do singing. I guess more like stage performance. Stage performance where you'd also get some really neat things to play with uh, and even put in your mouth. So, so uh, I would just tell people, but hey, you wanna have some meaningful fun time with your kids, it'll be fun for them too. And I don't know, somehow they just trusted me to show up. And, uh, when they came, you know, I somehow created an environment. So I think being authentic, 
being consistent. So the environment that I created for the events was very consistent again with our values. Uh, so very minimalist space, very tranquil, every little detail, every sense I try to think about what they were smelling or not smelling, what they were hearing, um, how the mats would feel beneath their feet, for example, and how I moved in the room kind of added to that. So then I could create this environment where somehow they would trust me, you know, to be their guide during this time together. And one thing I find it's really hard as a parent is to take off your parenting hat, especially when you're in front of your child. You know, you feel like I'm in front of my child. That kid is looking up to me. I'm supposed to be the one who knows everything, right? But to create an environment where the parent trusts me to say, okay, Crystal's the guide here. And I think trust also, you got to tell people what they need to trust. <laughs> so I had to say, I'm going to be your guide. No, I will let you know. So that gives them permission to take off their parenting hat. So little things like that really made a difference. And I think it's little by little. You know, trust is earned when you get them to that next level, give them some, oh, I guess, a reward, right? Give them a reward for they trusted you. So if I say, hey, try this thing and they do this thing and it's fun. Okay, then the next activity we do uh, will be fun. I said something earlier about I would give people something to put in their mouth. May I just take a pause here and kind of share one of these fun things that we would do? Because I think the audience, yeah, I think listeners might find this super fun. Uh, and if you want to look it up, there's an amazing TED Talk. I'm sorry, the name escapes me at the top of my head, but um, it's like cross-modal perception. So it's about when one sense messes with another sense or influences another sense. Uh, so why was I giving things for people to put in their mouths? Have you all heard of how your sense of smell impacts your sense of taste? Mm -hmm. right? If you ever have some disgusting medicine, you really don't want to taste it, you just plug your nose and you're like, I'm going to hold my breath. And then you eat that medicine, right? So did you know this? What you hear can also impact what you taste. So we're talking about trust. I'm creating this environment and I'm telling people this and they're like, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't believe you. I give them some nice, bitter chocolate, you know? ethical chocolate, super bitter, no added sugar. And uh, I say, okay, put this in your mouth and just hold it there. And it's kind of fun. It's a treat. And I say, now I'm going to play some very low brassy tones. Okay. And low brassy tones seem to bring out the bitterness in what you taste. So people, we can try this afterwards, right? And then they're like, okay, it's really bitter chocolate. They're expecting it. Then I change the music to something really high and light and fluty with like strings. It's very peaceful. And incredibly, you should see the looks on the adults, especially the adults' faces at the time. Oh my God, this thing, the bitterness, the, ed the edginess, it lifts and the sweetness comes out. And so I think when you show people things like that, you show people things that they've never seen before or experienced before, experience, especially with physical senses that they don't usually think about, somehow that <laughs> engenders a bit of trust. Okay, this is, there's so much to dive <laughs> into. Thanks. What? Your face. I could tell your mind is blown by looking at your face. My mind is. Listeners can't see this, but. Yes, listeners. My mind is totally blown. One, because I am the not chocolate person that whenever, every, you know, everyone's like, I love chocolate. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. Um, but my wife is a huge dark chocolate fan. She's She doesn't need the high stringy stuff to, to enjoy it. But one, okay, the whole science behind this just completely blows my mind. Secondly, 
Crystal, I feel like everything you've talked about in trust just kind of goes back to our framework around the five facets of, of one, the care and connection that you're engendering, but uh, you mentioned consistency, which is the third facet, and even being super clear about what people can expect. And I feel like that was just a masterclass of thinking about how do we engender trust in a space? And no matter what the context is, I think people can take a lot out of what you just shared. So thank you so much. And where I'd like to, to take us next is really as founders ourselves, like we definitely relate to the sheer uncertainty that often goes into building a new business. And especially for you, where you're literally creating a new word to describe what it is you're doing uh, with the edutainment tech, you're kind of building your own category of, of industry. And you've mentioned a lot of how other people trust you, but I would like to maybe turn it inwards a little bit. And I'd love to know, how have you learned to trust in yourself? Because the amount of edge and boundary breaking that you're doing, I think is definitely even more so than most entrepreneurs. And I'd love to know, how do you do it? First, before I answer that question, can I just say how exceptionally humbled I am by your kind and generous comments? So thank you very much. And it's just so lovely to connect with you both here because yeah, exactly. When you have this really wild vision where you have to start making up, smashing together words and concepts, uh, and then you learn that people can hook onto it and they, they hear you and they feel you. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Trusting myself. That's really, you know, really interesting. I kind of have this, actually a quick, funny story. Um, every Friday morning for the past year at 6 30 AM, my local time, I get online with the uh, random people that want to come and we have philosophy. So that's philosophy and the T is optional. And we are reading along right now a book called I Am You. It's a really long, dense book, but it's awesome. And it talks about how as much as it may seem like we are each individuals, we are all really connected. And actually, this philosopher goes on to give reasons to believe how we are actually all part of one mind. So with having said that, when I talk about me, you know, it's more like a, a useful vocabulary word that we use, right? So that you understand I'm talking about the me in here. Uh, so when I talk about trusting myself, it's more about trusting what's what I'm experiencing. It's trusting all the people that are around me. It's trusting the clues that I get, right? And it might be from, I randomly passed a bookshelf at a bookstore and there was a book that was sitting there and I grabbed it and went, whoa, this is so cool. I just learned about something that I can share with others, right? And just going, that, that, that's coincidence. I'm not sure, but hey, it works out in the end, right? And, and so I think it was, um, it's just like I said, trust for me sometimes can be hard. It just keeps hitting you. Like you can't help but learn to trust the process, learn to trust what's happening because you keep seeing it work out time and time again. I promise you I will answer this better if you want me to. <laughs> One thing that I learned over the last year and a half, and I've been hearing other people talking about it, which is uh, gratitude and abundance. I thought, man, I keep hearing about people who say they were struggling, hitting rock bottom in their life until they learn to trust in the notion of abundance, then everything turned around. And I think for me, most recently, that was one of the most pivotal moments for me, 
is to, to really trust that no matter how bad things may be, that uh, if I just keep moving forward, right, if I just keep being humble and I keep learning from the situation, I can't even step away from this path is actually what I've learned. This path that I've created for myself, it's not me creating it for myself, it's the world somehow has created this path, it's created this version of Crystal that has a background that I have, uh, that's making me compelled to create this thing. And sometimes in the past where I've doubted myself, some message will come, some person will come, some partner will come and give me a new opportunity to keep moving forward. So I'm not sure if that's a very coherent answer. <laughs> I think really it's, um, you can't, it's like seeing something. How can you not, and then someone's holding your hand. It's very hard not to believe that they are there. And I think trust in myself and the path that I'm on is very much like that. It feels exceptionally real. And if I meander off the path for a moment, uh, there's a very kind guiding, you know, force, I suppose, that will bring me back. And I say this knowing that you two have a strong science background, and so do I. Um, I have an engineering background myself, engineering science specifically. So I'm very much uh, science-based as well. And to Lisa's point earlier about curiosity, you know, I'm still very open to, hey, there are these unexplained things that happen. And who am I to think that I know better uh, to say, oh, that that can't be real when it seems consistent enough to me and it works and it works to keep me moving forward to achieve these goals because I believe they are important. And I, I really believe that um, as, a, as a human species, as we progress, as we get more and more technology, like we see the CRMs, right? Uh, the analytics, uh, the all the B2B stuff, the technology that's there to help us get fa things faster and more and cheaper. With all those distractions, what really matters in the end, right, is that human connection. And while I rarely focus on the what if scenario, you know, like I rarely focus focus on the bad stuff that could happen if we don't learn to control this or become more aware of ourselves and connect with humans more deeply than we think is possible. Even though I don't think of that that um, from a fear perspective, uh, I still know. No, this is really important. What I'm doing. Then I, if I may, it, again, it's just from direct experience. You know, there are ways that people think they connect with each other. And I know it sounds very arrogant of me to say, I know how you connect with someone and I don't think it's as deep as I think it is. And I won't say that. And I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't assume. However, I know there are some people out there that haven't connected as deeply with their loved ones as is possible. Hope that's a fair statement. It's like some people haven't seen in the full spectrum of color. Some people haven't learned to listen to music as deeply as others. Right? All these little things. And so I say there is a lot more depth and a lot more beauty that we can become aware of in this world, in our life. And so how can I say I give up? How can I say that I can't do this? Even when I say I can't do this, the world puts me back on the path. Thank you for sharing that. There's, as you were sharing, I felt like you were kind of painting different canvases of different ways to answer that question to give us like different perspectives on it. And across those canvases in my mind's eye, there were two words that I kept seeing and they were conviction and humility. And I really love that pairing together and where you kind of like had that hand reaching through to put, you know, bring you back on that path and the trust in that path. Um, and that openness to learning as you're moving through that path. And I think that's where that curiosity comes in as well. I want to bring back a few more words that you, you said earlier in this conversation, one of them being, being fear and 
connection as another one. And, and you talked to yourself about that fear in connecting and in extending trust. And I, you've shared a wealth of, of practical insights here. I just want to push you a little bit more specifically and perhaps, especially for, for parents building that connection can be scary for whatever reason it might be. And I'm curious if you have some, some practical insights or wisdom to offer parents who want to build that deeper connection, but may have that fear that's pulling them back a little bit. I love this question. Often when I hear, uh, you know, on the news or media, whatever, over here in the playground, and I hear parents worrying, you know, worrying about, am I doing enough for my kids? How's my kid's future going to be? How can I be a better parent? I just wish I could be part of that conversation to say, you are enough. You know, trust that you are enough, that all we need really is to be loved, you know, to know that we are loved and to be seen, I think. Because if you're not seen, then you're not truly loved. You're the, it's something else that's loved, right? Not it's the the persona that the say the parent is projecting on the to the child, and that's what they love as opposed to the child themselves, right? And so I always think, geez, you know, we are enough. I mean, we have been procreating and having kids or adopting kids for like so many generations by definition, our entire existence. Uh, so I believe we are enough. And it's somehow we buy into, um, you know, a lot of what other people do, perhaps or what other people want you to do, what other people think that you think you want to do that makes you feel like we're not enough. And so when I connect with my child and when I've seen the most amazing moments of connection between parents and their kids, I've had this privilege of being able to witness these things that were just mind-blowing, humbling, gets you right in the heart. I mean, I've heard kids whisper during these events that we run, I call them parent-child dates. And it's just so simple. And they're just like, thank you for spending time with me. You know, and it sounds so like, oh, does a parent ever spend time? No, of course, I know that parent is super engaged. I know that parent's always involved, but there's something a little bit, a lot more different. You know, when it's a focused attention. I've heard parents say that loving, again, very loving, engaged parents say, Crystal, I have never seen my kid in that light before. I've never seen that side of them. And so I think, the way I live my life is the way I run my business is the way I parent, which is coming from a place of curiosity and humility. You know, I know I'm not a perfect person, perfect parent. There is no such thing. And so one of the favorite things I love to say to my kids, I don't say it as much these days because they kind of know already. I'm like, I'm not a perfect parent. I know I'm not. I know I'm flawed. You know, And so it becomes collaborative, right? They know I don't have all the answers. And I think as adults, when we put that, expectation on ourselves, not just as parents, but as leaders, right? When leaders put that expectation on ourselves of we must know all the answers, we must be the perfect model. That's an impossible thing. And plus it doesn't really make sense to me. You know, I, I, I parent also as I lead, which is I want to nurture the leader in all of the people on my team. Right? And the way I can do that is to not always be the one telling them what to do and always be the one that thinks I have the best answer. So I think that would be really the message I give is as hard as it seems, you know, to like let go of control, it's learning to just, and if it has to be gradual, that's okay. And trusting your, in this case, because we're talking parenting, trusting your child, trusting that you can actually learn something from them. You know, whether it's um, something new at school that you didn't know before, or maybe something a little bit more 
mm, long lasting, like a perspective. You know, uh, again, childhood curiosity. Wow, the child's mind of wonder. It's all. It's all just. It's just beautiful to me. It reminds me of one thing, if I if I may add. Um, one time, I was outside with with the parents, and their kid was just a few meters away, and they were poking at ice with a stick. And I'm so used to parents often saying, "Oh, my kids have no attention span." Everyone knows kids don't have long attention spans. And this is a, you know, a, a different thing. This kid was just in there poking at this puddle or ice for a very, very long time. And the parents said, I, I just don't understand the fascination, right? And I thought, what if you take the moment to just trust that your kid does see something that you don't know and to be okay with, I don't know as the adult, I'm gonna go and just see it from their perspective. Yeah. So I guess those are the two main things is not feel the pressure to always wear that leadership hat, not to always feel the pressure to wear the parenting hat and to actually completely flip that on its head and to realize you can learn uh, from the child as well or learn from someone on your team. I love so much about that, especially the idea of like some little kid just poking at like a little frozen puddle and just being super stoked to be like, this is so cool. <laughs> just to be there for like 10 minutes. Um, but I'm also hearing something that Lisa and I talk a lot about in terms of leadership is the idea of confident humility of find that blend of parenting, but also the curiosity of, like you said, being able to learn from the child or the team that you're leading and being able to mix that where it's not about telling yourself a story that you're less than because you don't know, or because you're unsure or like that, that doubt about being the best parent or leader, but really stepping into a place of leveraging all of your resources, which includes the people you lead or your children and learning from them and who they're learning from. Crystal, thank you. This has been super awesome. And I feel like there's been so many interesting, and I think tactical examples that you've shared with us of how you lead, how you build trust, both within your team and the world of, at large. And I'd love to start wrapping us up by asking what's kind of on the horizon for you and Leohan. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's been such an awesome opportunity to talk about trust because it is such a core value and compass, I think, uh, for me. Like I said, as a human, as a parent, and as a as a startup founder. Uh, so you know, I love this like hashtag pre-pandemic or cause pandemic. Things changed, right? And, and before the before the pandemic hit, we were really starting a cruise uh, with these in-person events, and it was really phenomenal the feedback. Uh, and then when the pandemic hit, I thought no problem, you know, I'll just roll with it because I always had this vision of creating a digital platform. Right, uh, it just I knew that it's more scalable. However, the the best experiences I can give someone is in real life. At least I believe so. So right now it's been amazing. Um, I've actually been building a team from of people who trust me. A lot of students, some of them are volunteers that are just just so generous with their time and believe in the vision and believe they can learn uh, and then believe I guess that I will be a good leader to them. So we are creating this digital platform where we're going to deliver this kind of content that I was talking to you about, little activity prompts or wild things that you would not have known to find before for really busy families. Because I've heard, yes, busy families would love it if they could just go to one place and know it's easy. Here's some fun things that you can do. 
that are also fun for the adult because that doesn't seem to exist. You know, also fun for the adult. I can also learn. And it doesn't take me 10 hours to set up all the materials, you know? So we're creating this entertainment platform kind of mixed with a habit tracker, if you will. We're gamifying it because truth is, you know, we all know we should do things like exercise. And we all know we should do things like spend, I don't know, half an hour a day or whatever, reading a book. And it's hard because we're busy. And until we schedule something, it doesn't always get done. In fact, that's one of the first things I learned is if I schedule a date with my child, it will get done. So where you're creating this digital platform where it helps you kind of gamify, keeps track of, you know, how much, not how much time you're spending with your kid, but really, hey, do you remember? Here's some fun stuff you can do. Here's some more where you can sneak in some quality time. Because to me, it's about quality and not necessarily quantity. If I connect with a child every day for five minutes, wow, you know, that five minutes sticks with me until the next time. And it means so much more than just two hours in front of the TV together big time, right? So we're creating this digital platform. And whereas um, Leo Hans created content is very much like you might expect from just talking to me, very philosophical, uh, a lot of just wacky stuff. We recognize that we're not the experts in everything, right? We don't ever want to be. And so we want to bring in experts. We want to bring in people who are just awesome at what they do. And uh, whether they create extracurricular activities for kids or courses for adults or just fun things that you can go to do, we want to create, uh, we're creating this platform to also be like um, a discovery place, you know, a discovery place for really wild things that you didn't even know exist that will give you a super like awesome time, super enriching, super immersive, and just make you go, wow, you know, the world's way more interesting than I can even imagine. I love that. And the suspense, the suspense is getting to me, Crystal. Where can our listeners who are curious to learn more about Leo Han, where, where would you point them to? Thanks. So uh, it's funny, right? So my company name, Leo Han, living in our here and now, L-I-O-H-A-N dot space. We do our own dot com, but I just, I was a little bit, you know, I wanted to be different or I just thought it was less stuffy. So I love dot space, Leo Han dot space. If you go to leohan.com, you will find us too. Uh, we're also on Instagram. We post some really fun, quirky activity ideas, more things that will blow your mind, we hope. And uh, if you want to connect with me or follow me on LinkedIn, that is fantastic as well. There are probably 10,000 or more Crystal Wongs in the world, which is why I add my husband's last name, Crystal Wong Kruger. And I think I'm the only one. <laughs> so Crystal Wong Kruger um, on LinkedIn, leohan.space is our website. You can uh, sign up to be one of the first to beta test this new world that we're creating, uh, you know, to take us away from digital distraction and use your the device that's already in your hand to turn your attention more into the real world and give you, you know, better, more enriching ways to bond deeply with your family. Amazing. Thank you so much, Crystal. We will get all of those links into the show notes and it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you again. Thank you both. This was awesome. And that's a wrap for this episode of In Trust. Thanks for listening. Remember that trust is better together. So if you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with someone who you think might appreciate it and leave us a review. The In Trust podcast is produced by Spotlight Trust, where we help leaders and organizations put trust at the center of their work so they can achieve more than they ever thought possible while adapting to our fast-changing world. If you'd like to get in touch with us, simply email podcast at spotlighttrust.com.